Uh, as we go on through these things, I want to talk to you a little bit today uh, to continue on this passion series, and, and, and this may be the last thing that we talk about. Next week, as we move into Palm Sunday, we're going to talk you know, about the fact that, that God is for you, that he's for you. You have to know and understand that God is for you. Then on Easter, we're going to share about follow him. You got to follow him. There's no other way except to follow him. So we're going to talk about those two things the next two weeks. And this week, I wanted to finish or share a little bit uh, as we end up this passion series about fruit, you know, passion fruit. You know, I mean, there, there is fruit that's a passion fruit. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what it tastes like. I don't know what it means. But the fruit of your cause, there is fruit to the cause of the passion or the thing that God has put on the inside of you. If you act on it, if you live in it, if you allow God to be all that he can be in that moment, time, place, and season, you'll see fruit on your tree. But we talked about, you know, the gift of inconvenience. We talked about laying our life down in Matthew. It said that we're supposed to deny ourselves, pick up the cross, and follow him. That was a couple weeks ago. We talked about being a person of action. We talked about pursuing passion. We said that God loves people. And Jesus came not just to love people, but to serve people. And he said, God called us, and he said the first commandment is to love your God with all your heart, your strength, your soul, your mind, your, all of those things. But then to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So he's called us not only to love people, but he's also called us to serve people. If you go into to Matthew in chapter 20, it talks about that. That who wants to be great among you become a servant. Right. We think the other way around. We think, well, I'm going to be great. I need a lot of servants. God says, if you want to be great, then you be a servant. And we talked about serving down. We said we have to serve down just as, just as readily and just as happily as we serve up. We need to be able to serve down to the people who God's called us to, the people that he's put in our home. We said, men, if you want to have a great home, a home full of love, a home full of, full of just absolute joy, peace, and happiness, serve your family. Serve your children. Serve your wife. Lay your life down for them. That's what it says. When you stand up there and make that wedding vow, it says, I do. Part of that says, you've got to love her like Christ loved the church. And he gave himself, it says in Ephesians, he gave himself for the church. He laid down his life. Ooh, got an amen and a whoo. That's good stuff. Well, we'll go right into the wedding ceremony. Anybody want to get married? We'll just talk about that and we'll get it all taken care of. But we said this last week that you have to awake with it. You have to do this intentionally. See, this isn't something that you just all of a sudden just, just do, just cause. You have to intentionally, each morning that you wake up, you have, to, you have to know the mission and the thing that God's put in your heart, and then you have to intentionally live it out because there's a million reasons not to. And I asked you the question in the beginning of last week, do you have a mission statement? I mean, have you written something down that says, this, this is who I am, this is what God called me to do, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now? You know your mission statement because everything that you're doing needs to line up with what your mission statement says. We said Jesus has a mission statement, Luke chapter 4, right? Verse like 17, 18, 18 and 19. That says he's come to, to heal the sick. See, he's come to open the eyes of the blind. He's come to, to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to, to set liberty the captives, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was his mission statement. And then if you go and you look at chapter, in Matthew, it says that, that he went about doing all those things in all of their cities. So the things that he was doing were lining up with the things that he said he was supposed to do. See, the things that were going on in his life, he intentionally lived his life on this earth each day to fulfill the mission that he felt like he was called to do. It was prophesied by Joel, but then he respoke it in Luke. See, and he said, this is who I am. This is what I do. And then he went about doing those things. I think many times in the body of Christ, we say, this is who I am. This is what God called me to do. And then I don't go about doing those things. No different for you, for me, for any of us. There's a, there a bunch of reasons why that might work. We said, you have to live with direction. You have to live with aim. You have to live with a goal. And I quoted Yogi Berra that said, if, if you don't know where you're going, you'll likely end up somewhere else. 
And my sister turned to Joe and said, is that the bear from the cartoon? And I couldn't figure out why Joey was laughing. And then Pastor Pam said, well, I thought the same thing. I wasn't sure. Well, Yogi Berra, was a, he played for the Yankees years ago. And he always has these backwards quotes that don't make any sense. Hey, boo-boo. It's not that guy. Give me to get a picnic basket. Isn't that what he says? A picnic basket. We said too many people in the body of Christ are like little kids at a birthday party swinging at some piñata with their eyes closed and they're dizzy and they don't know where they're going. They're smacking cars. They're smacking people. Those are the best, funniest home videos, right? Where that guy just gets hit right where he shouldn't get hit or he smacks the window of the car and shatters it. I mean, that's great stuff. And the pinata just sits there untouched. Don't let, the, don't let this thing at the end of your, don't let your direction, don't let your goal, don't let your aim, don't let your mission, don't let your cause, don't let your passion be untouched when you get to the end of your life. Take off the things that are hovering up your eye. I mean, get rid of those things that are keeping you from going there. Make sure, I mean, God will show you. But he shows you day by day, and you have to wake up intentionally and go do that. Get rid of the things that make you stop. Whatever you do well, do that a lot. That's what I tell everyone. You know, I mean, whatever you do well, man, do that a lot. I've got kids who say, well, I'm not any good at math, you know, but my mom wants me to be this, or my dad said I had to be this. Well, those aren't your giftings. Now, do well. Do your best. But I don't get upset if a kid gets a C. Sometimes a C is just fantastic because this kid is so gifted in another area and has another mission, has another passion, has another direction. See, what is that thing that's on the inside of you, that mission, that passion, that direction? Let go of the things that keep you from doing that. It's that thing that comes easily to you. It's that thing that makes you smile. It's that thing that brings tears to your eyes when you get really quiet before God. Do that. Well, I don't know how. Figure out something. Ask God. Do something. If you don't know what that is, help somebody else. We said sometimes God shows you the thing that you have. God puts that passion and that desire and that cause in your heart as you help somebody else fulfill the thing that God's pulled them to do. Get involved. Get involved serving and you never know what God's going to do with you. Get beyond you and into the miracle space was the last thing last week. That miracle space is the place between I can't and I can. It's that thing that God does in the middle. We used the guy at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 as an example. We said, you know, this guy was sitting there waiting for the waters to stir, but had nobody to get him into that place. But Jesus came by and he put in a different thought. He said, well, do you want to you walk? Well, yes, I do. Then get up and walk. And he made possible what this guy couldn't do. This guy knew in his own, he sat there for years, but this guy knew in his own strength that he couldn't do it. But when God spoke the word, when God said that changed something, it took him from I can't to I can Well, God's speaking to you. He's speaking to me each day. And as we get up from that place of I can't and we go into the place of I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we go into that place, there becomes fruit that starts to grow on our tree. You got to have fruit. If you you don't live intentionally, you're going to get passed by. You're going to be like this guy who sits there and just watches all these other people get in the water and all these other people. Every time the water stirs, somebody gets in the water before him. So now what is he doing? He he wants to walk really badly. He wants to do it, but but he can't. All these people just keep going. He doesn't have this, uh, this other thought. He doesn't have this other idea. He doesn't have this revelation of what God is speaking to him and what he's saying to him that he can through Christ Jesus because God said to him, you want to get up and walk? Yeah, I want to get up and walk. So he got up and walked. See, before that, though, he sat there and he had to watch all these people get healed in front of him. If you, if you don't live intentionally in your life, if you don't get out of bed each day saying, this is my mission, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going, see, that moves the hand of God on your behalf. That opens up the door that you haven't been able to get open. That gets you into the water, so to speak. That pulls you out of that place as you live intentionally. Otherwise, you get passed by. Life will pass you by. 
and you'll end up discouraged. I'm sure this, this, I mean, this guy was like, eh. what did he say when Jesus said, you want to, he said, well, here's the deal, man. The water stirs down here and all of these people get healed. And I just have to sit here because I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. No one will come and place me in the water when it happens. Well, Jesus had a different thought. See, don't be discouraged because everybody else is seeing all those things happen. Live intentionally in your life. Go from I can't to I can. Move into that place. This is your moment in time. I really truly believe that. I believe that. And I don't know why all these messages go this direction. Why these, oh, well, I do know because God's about ready to do something. I mean, he's about ready to do something here in this church. Yeah, but in your life, I'm just telling you, if you get hooked up and get on board with the thing that God's speaking, it's, it, it will absolutely set your life like it was, you know, with Elijah on fire. I mean, you may be the soppinest wet believer that there ever was. You may be the one who's just the sorriest believer, just no excuse for a good believer, rocks crying out because you won't speak. But I'm telling you what, if you decide one day, if you decide, you know what, this is my day. This is my moment. God is who he said he was. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I am going to intentionally make a difference in somebody's life that God brings across my path. I'm going to stop worrying and being all sorry, sad sack about myself. And I'm going to do, I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm pulling, I'm holding you to your word. What, what is it that you have for me? See, I want to get in my, I want to get in my word. I want to wake up praising him. That's, that's it, man. I've decided to be different. If you'll do that, I believe he's going, to, he's going to do something. That's what we're doing. We're standing, praying, believing. We're all, we're agreeing. What? Ah, that God's going to do something fantastic in the lives of the people of this city. Not that we're going to have a thousand people come to this church. Who cares? I mean, you got to have that many to touch that many. But come on, you know, I mean, it's about touching the lives of the people who live here. It's about making this city one of the greatest cities in the state of Indiana. Who wouldn't want to come live here? Man, there's a church there. God's presence is in that place. I don't know what it is about that place, but man, it's, it's different. That city's different. There's, when you drive into Lafayette, sometimes it gets a little, you want to get off and shake the dirt off your feet like Jesus said. Because you're in this city sometimes. I want it to be the different. I want to be different. I want people to, to not want to leave this. I want them to stop their car at the end of the city or at the end of the county line and say, I don't want to drive away because there's something about that place. The people who are in that city, the spirit that I feel in that place. Well, how does that happen? That, that happens by a bunch of people waking up and intentionally desiring to serve God and to lay their own life down and to do whatever he's called them to do. The greatest schools, the greatest schools in the state are in Lafayette. I don't know why. What's Lafayette? They're in the county. <laughs> Benton County. Benton County, too. You know, I mean, they got, got them everywhere. You know, wherever you got those believers who are doing that, I believe they, bring the, they usher in the presence of God in that place. See, fruit begins to grow on those trees. See, there should be fruit just all over you. When we're in Sudan, you know, they have, they have mango trees everywhere. You can't even compare it to anything here because we, like, we have nothing like this. I mean, every now and then you see an apple tree. Every now and then you see something else. I mean, everywhere you look are these gigantic trees full of fruit, full of fruit. The little kids are throwing rocks. I mean, they, they want the fruit. They, they're trying to get the, but they're, they're full of fruit, so much fruit that in the right season when it all, I mean, it just, it just lays around in piles. I mean, it's just all, there's fruit every, is there fruit in your life? I mean, do you see fruit? Because God said in Genesis, right, 128, be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't just saying have a whole bushel full of kids. 
He was saying, you need to be, he said, we, we created man. And then in verse 28 says, and God blessed them and spoke and said, be fruitful and multiply. Look at your tree. We got a little plum tree out front of our house and it grows these little bitty plums. And Elizabeth is sure that that's going to grow someday big enough plums to eat. And I said, don't eat that because I love you. I don't want to have to go find me another woman because I ain't got no energy for that. So, I mean, I don't, don't go out and eat that. I don't think they're edible. But as little as that tree is and as, as, as hard as it's trying to grow and it's kind of leaning a little bit because of the wind, you know, and it's grown a lot over the last four or five years, you know, but it's still, it's still a little tree. And it's got little bitty arms sticking out and got little bitty leaves. But even that thing is spitting out little bitty fruit. Because that's, that's what it does. It's planted in good ground. It's being watered. See, the sun is there. And what does it do? Just because it's a tree, it grows fruit. The neighbors have crabapple trees. God bless them. There's nothing like a million crabapples in your yard full of bees in the summertime. But it's got fruit everywhere. We got a little tiny cherry tree in the backyard. It's got fruit all over it. It's barely alive. I mean, one half of it just kind of, I'm scared to push on it. But it, but it bears fruit. It doesn't matter how old you are. That tree's an old tree. It's lived a long life, but it's still putting out fruit. See, there, you should, everybody see if you're the little tree who's just started, if you're the big tree who's been around a while, if you're like these crab apples in my next door neighbor's yard that are in their multiplication prime, you should be putting out, there should be fruit on your tree because it says be fruitful and multiply. Seed time and harvest is God's idea. See, you are, you are bearing fruit. You're just maybe not sure what kind of fruit it is. Because Galatians in chapter 6, it says, Don't be mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he shall reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption in your life. That's an ugly, nasty fruit. But if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. That's a beautiful fruit. And in your life, you, sh you should be full of fruit. Well, you know what? I had a Bible study once, and they picked all my fruit. Well, don't worry. There'll be more fruit. As you prune and as you clip and as you do those things, you sprout more. We're going to talk about that in John in chapter 15. But when you think about yourself, when you think about your life, when you think about passion, cause, and all those things, do you see fruit at the end of the road? Do you see fruit on you when you look in the, in the mirror? Ask God to show you, because I think sometimes there's a lot of fruit in your life. We just don't see it because we're looking for some other kind of fruit. You're an apple tree and you want to be a banana tree. And so you're concerned about making bananas. There's no way that the apple tree is going to make a banana. Although they have done this thing with grapples. Have you seen those? They're apples that taste like grapes. I don't think that's, I don't think that's natural. I don't think that's human. They need to like burn all those grapple trees, whatever they are. I don't know what they did, but it's weird. But, here, but you, you, if you want, you, you, you've got all this fruit, and somebody, have you ever had somebody sit you down and say, what are you being so sad for? Come on, look at all your fruit. And you go, oh, yeah, I guess I do have fruit. Because you stopped looking at something else, and you began to focus on what God told you to focus on. And it says in Matthew chapter 7, you'll be known by your fruit. It says you'll be known by your fruit, good or bad. It says good trees produce good fruit, bad trees produce bad fruit. What kind of tree are you? I believe you're all good fruits. We're all, we're all good trees growing up good fruit. That's the confession. That's the, so what we're going to talk about a little bit today, I talked about in January, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But, but you have to be a good steward to what God's given you. In Matthew chapter 25, it's the story of the talents. And God gave the talents you know, to, those, to those individuals, and then they had to decide what to do with them. 
They had to decide. See, it was up to them to determine the fruit from the things that he gave them. And it's no different for you or it's no different for I. If you will live in this cause, if you'll live in this place, if you'll live with this passion that God's put in your heart, you will begin to see fruit in your life that corresponds to those things. But if you don't, you won't. And if you look at that story, who were the ones who were pleasing God? The two guys who gave all their talents and worked with their talents and put them in and did something with the talents. They had more to bring back to the master and said, hey, five became ten. Here you go. Give me five. And God said, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, well done, my good and faithful servant. You enter into all that I have. Woo! And I believe that's what God, that's what God is, he, I, that's all that matters to him is the fruit. See, are people's lives being changed? Are people getting saved? Are, are you making a difference? He doesn't put a cause in you so you can raise a bunch of money. He puts a cause in you so you can, maybe you can raise a bunch of money so that you can get people saved, get people set free. That's right. Not so that we can amass all this stuff. Then all of a sudden you've, become, you've changed and whacked out your fruit. Fruit's people's. Are people's attached to you? See, are, are, are those things being manifest in your life? But see, the one little dude who was what? He was scared. And there are a lot of believers who aren't sure what to do with this and what's going to happen if I reach out and what's going to happen if I speak and what's going to happen if I say this and what's going to happen if I... See, who are we looking at? We're looking at me. Right. I'm caring about me. I'm not even caring about you. I'm, I'm caring about me. There's a lot of reasons I don't even want to get up here and preach. There's a lot of reasons I don't want to do some of the things that I do. But God said to him, so I said, okay. I don't know how. I'll show you. You, you mean, you know, you're no different than I am. We're all headed on that, but I want to see fruit in my life. I want to see fruit in this church. See, I want somebody, I want to see somebody who say, man, how did this guy, he works with me, and I just, I prayed for him, and man, he's radically changed, and his life is different, and his wife came back because he was a mess, and now he's not a mess anymore. And now all of a sudden, their children, they're coming to church, and they're praising God, and now all of a sudden, what have you done? You've affected a whole family full of people. Why? Because you just opened up and said, I'm going to share my passion with you. You want some fruit? See, now, now it's, I mean, that's all of a sudden, you, you can expand your vision if you search and look for fruit. It says in John, if you look there in chapter 15, it says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much what? Fruit. Bears much. Fruit is produced through you. You don't go find fruit. See, you don't go find somebody else's fruit and try to stick it to your tree. Fruit is produced through the tree when you abide in him. So what we're going to do here in a minute is we're going to have practice. We're going to abide. We're going to have practice abiding in him. A few months ago or whenever that was, I don't remember when it was, but we sang that song we sang today that was hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It was presence practice. Just close your eyes, be quiet, forget about the people around you, now just practice his presence. So today what we'll do is begin to practice abiding. Because people don't necessarily abide all the time. We're so worried about us that we forget to abide in him. It's not about what you need. At the, at the end of the day, it's about the fruit on your tree, not about where you're planted. Yeah. See, too many people are concerned about where they're planted. They, they're over here in this place, but they want to be planted in that place. And even in this, you could be a beautiful tree where you're planted today if you'll abide in him. See, if you'll make your life about him, if you'll speak about who he is. Somebody asked, who are you? And he said, I am. I am all that you need. I am more than enough. I am. See, if you're not sure who God is, get Dan's class, Character of God, VBI. Has nothing, I mean, it's all about the names of God and who he is. He reveals himself through those names. As you go through the Old Testament, you begin to read all those names. 
And then you begin to tell him who he is. You begin to speak about who he is. Because in who he is, is how you end up with fruit. See, it's in him, not in you. He says he produces the fruit. It doesn't say you produce fruit. It doesn't say you you dug yourself up out of that hole and went over and planted yourself where finally you knew you belonged and now you're going to have fruit. Uh Uh-uh, because lots of trees and lots of plants and lots of bushes die that way. When you begin to transplant things from where they are to where you think they might be better, a lot of those bushes die in the process. Why? Because all of their roots, all their systems, all that they were doing and all that they were, were in that place. And now you've dug them up and now you've taken them somewhere else. I'm not saying God doesn't do that. But isn't that the rarity rather than the rule? I mean, how many of those trucks do you see driving with the 40-foot tree on them? Not very many. But boy, they're impressive when they go by. And God will move you maybe from one thing to the next. But what I find in my life, if I'll just shut up and let him prune me a little, If I'll just shut up and begin to soak where I am, I begin to see fruit just like you. And here's the reason that we have a little bit of an issue. So bear with me here for just a minute. Smile at me. Everybody love me? It's all good. (laughs) Sin rots your fruit. See, if you're doing things in your life that don't line up with God's word, if you're doing things in your life that don't line up with what God said, if you're doing things in your life that God said not to do, that's sin. And sin will rot your fruit. You're put in this earth to please God. You are put here in this place to please him. You're not put here to please you. See, he did not create Adam and Eve so that they could be pleased. He created Adam and Eve so that they could please God. It was for a relationship for him. Now, what did they get out of that relationship? Everything. But as soon as they looked to themselves and not to God, they got nothing. See, and in our life, it's the same way. And I don't want to keep hammering and hitting home on the same topics and subjects week after week after week, but I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just sharing with you what God shared with me. To go where you're about to go, to go where we're about to go, you've got to be willing to please God regardless of the cost to you. That every day when I wake up, I ask myself this question, God, how can I please you today? When I'm about to do something, I have to ask myself this question, is this pleasing to God? When I'm about to say something, I have to say, is this pleasing to God? And if the answer is no, then don't do it. But I want to, that butt's killing your fruit. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, it's simple. My mom used to say it all the time. I said it on Wednesday night. Well, just remember where you're going. Jesus is going with you. And I said, woo, then he's going to have a good time because this is rocking on. But I had to go out like this. Because I knew I was dragging Jesus somewhere he didn't need to be. (laughs) But see, that's the sin. See, that's the sin that so easily ensnares me. That's why it says, let go of those things. Drop the weights. Drop the sin. Drop. I, oh, but it's just this one thing. One thing will kill you. See, one thing will kill you. Nobody (sighs) Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm going to be an addict. Somebody doesn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a porn junkie. I think I'm just into that. No, it's like one thing, one moment, one instant. Eve didn't get up that day and say, you know what? Let's just be rebellious and let's eat this fruit and let's just see what God can do. No, the serpent began to talk to her and she began to listen. But just, see, it takes a period of time for you to get from that place to this, but the devil begins to pull you in one thing at a time. See, nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to be, you know what? I'm going to be an alcoholic. Sounds good. 
No, nobody wakes up doing that. But now all of a sudden you are, and there ain't no fruit on your tree. And you're miserable, and you can't get by. See, I wouldn't grow up to be an addict. I didn't want to just be on drugs. I didn't grow up to be an abuser. I didn't, oh, I wanted to grow up, and I wanted to abuse women. Huh? I want to grow up, and I want to sleep around. Huh? See, you know, those, aren't, those aren't thoughts of believers. Those aren't thoughts of unbelievers. Those are just situations and places that people find themselves in because they listen at the moment. One little piece, one little thing, one little time. See, so we signed up to please God. We didn't sign up to please ourselves. But I want to. I deserve it. Those things, man, will be sucker shoots. They'll be weeds in your life, and they will kill your tree. Weeds, weeds aren't always ugly either. We've had some grow in our yard, and I'm like, hey, hey why are you killing those things? They're beautiful. She says they're going to kill everything in the place. They entangle everything. They ensnarl everything. And they'll suck the life out of the tomato plant. They'll suck the life out of that bush. They'll suck the life out of that tree. What is the thing that's sucking the life out of you? Don't look to your neighbor. It's not them. This is you. See, the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. See, it says, it says that the sin that so easily takes over See, it says if you go back through, now these are the ones who are sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but it's the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. And I'm not saying it's bad to be rich. It's not bad to be rich, but be rich with an open heart and no hands attached. It says in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Don't be looking to Joyce Meyer to find out why you ain't got fruit on your tree. Look in the mirror. I am not doing you a, a, a service if I allow you to be unfruitful. If I stand up here and smile and pat you on the head and tell you that this is great and you are just fine. See, I am, I am here and I am called, I believe, to just speak what God says, but to hold us all accountable to what God says. I, I don't like that. You're on your own. <laughs> it's much easier if you're just all on your own because I can deal with me and mine. But I can't make those decisions for you. And my heart aches and breaks for you when I see those things happening. But I can't fix those things. I can only pray and help you fix you. See, I can't, but if you fix you, God will fix those things. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Do not entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may be pleasing to him who enlisted him. But I gotta go. I gotta get up. I gotta do. Yes, 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 you do. But you don't have to entangle yourself in those things. Those things don't have to hold. You don't need to have a, but I, but I deserve it, but I need it, but I should, but I've been, but I, uh, but, 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 but. See, butts are killing your fruit. John the Baptist said, you know, in Luke chapter 3, he said the unfruitful tree, kind of like Mark 11 when Jesus spoke to the tree and said, you unfruitful fig tree, let nobody ever eat from you again. They came back, it was cursed, it was withered up, and it was all dying before the thing. These aren't, these aren't trees 
that he's talking about in Luke, he's going to take the axe to it and throw it in the fire. He's talking about the unfruitful tree, the unabiding tree. He's not talking about the person who's abiding and saying, okay, God, work with me, help me. I want to be like this. He's talking about the person that says, yeah, yeah, whatever, but I just ain't going to do that. You better be careful because it says, now even the the axe is raised to the root of those trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And where it was really nice, and we said in 15.5, that if you abide in him and he abides in you, then you will have good fruit produced in you and through you because of the vine. The next verse says, but he who is not there, he who is broken off and unattached is like a busted up, old, dried up branch who is not good for anything. Not the branch that is laying there still attached trying to figure out because if you go back earlier in chapter 15, it says that he takes that branch that's still attached, that branch that's not necessarily producing the fruit that it needs to produce, and it says that he takes it out. Basically what it means is if you go back, it means he moves it and he lifts it up. See, he, try, he is the vine dresser. He is trying to get fruit on your tree today. And you are abiding. I am not saying that you have unplugged yourself from what he's doing. You have not cut your branch off and said, I'm going to go try to be fruit over here. You are abiding, but maybe you're still trying to figure it out, and God's still trying to work with you, and you still have issues, and he's still going through. Those are the things where God picks up that branch, and he sets it up higher so it gets the light, so it gets the, gets the nourishment, so then it can still begin. But the one who has fruit, what does he do to that one? It says he prunes it, and he cuts it, and he clips it. But woe be to him who's going to untach himself from that and come over here and say, yeah, yeah, I'm right. They're wrong. I know better. How many of you know those? Sure, sure, sure. I knew that worked for you, but that's not going to work for me. You know what? God's told me a better way. I've stopped talking to those people. There's a few of them. They come in and out of here every so many months. They want to hear what's going on, and they hear the same word from Pastor Bill five years ago to from Pastor Pam a couple years ago, from me right now. Word hasn't changed. They hear all of those things. They come back. They want to tell me how their way's better. Where'd you just come from? Just got out of jail. Oh, good. <laughs> Maybe God's got a ministry for you there. And then you're reading the police blotter. They're back there again in a couple weeks. Bound and determined to tell me that I'm wrong and their way's better. Well, your way doesn't line up with the Word of God. But I like it more because it makes me feel better. See, I like it more because I can do what I want to do, and I can still justify it. Well, you can like it all you want, but you're going to be unattached, and you're not going to be good for much, and you're going to get tossed into the fire, my pal. You don't want to be there. That's not where you want to go. The believer should hate sin. It says in Psalms 97, You who have the Lord hate sin. In Proverbs 8.13, it says, Fear of the Lord is to hate evil. See, nobody wakes up and says, I want to be a porn junkie. They just get hooked. Have you ever caught a fish just barely hooked? It still gets caught, and you're still eating it. It didn't taste any worse because you barely caught it. See, it doesn't look any different on your wall because you barely had it hooked. Have you ever had one of those? Like you reel it in, you go like, Oh my gosh, how did I catch this thing? When we caught that shark, I think, that time in Florida... We reeled that thing all the way up, and when he finally got to the boat, I mean, it was, just, it was just, a, just a little bit through the skin of the side of the mouth. It wasn't even like, you know, you want like jaws hooked. It wasn't like that. I mean, it was just barely hooked. And you know what? This thing just comes belly up after it's done fighting. Fine, you got me. And I'm thinking, all you had to do was shake a couple more times. I, God would tell you, all you got to do is shake a couple times, get rid of that hook, and follow after him. Don't get hooked by just a, don't, don't do that. 
See, but I want to. I should be able to. I don't see why not. Yeah, you, you, you. Me, me, me. But, but, but. Where's the fruit? So where's the fruit? People got a lot of great ideas. They got a lot of things. People say a lot of stuff. It says you judge them by their fruit. Well, I don't ever get to do that because, you know, they never pick me because they always pick somebody else. Look at your fruit, man. I wouldn't pick you ugly either. You're ugly and you smell. Your fruit's rotten. You ain't got no leaves on your tree. You're just a stick. I mean, you look at this thing, man. It's a beautiful mango tree with all these leaves and all this fruit. And then you look at this other thing over here, and it's this rotten old person saying, I don't know why they don't ever pick me, and I don't know why my rung's not right. And there's a stick. And they're probably knocked over. But see, in their eyes, they think, well, I don't know why that is. Hey, 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 get planted. Get planted. Because you're still alive. There's still life in you. Get who back up. Graph yourself back into the vine. See, graph yourself back into this thing. Allow him to, you're trying to produce fruit on your own. You can't do that. Get hooked back in. See, here's the three things. And I I heard this from somebody else, but I'll claim it for my own. Send us three things in your life. Send us three things in your life. You lose your hearing first. See, you lose your hearing. You're not, you're not, you're not hearing his voice as much. You're not hearing his voice. You're not, you're not, you're not hearing what he's speaking. You're not, it's not, it's not making sense in your spirit. You know, pastor's speaking, but you're not hearing what he's saying. You know, what God's saying, you know, somebody's doing something. You're not hearing what God, you're in your quiet time, but you're just not hearing. Now it's my quiet time, it's my time, man. This is wasting my time. Nothing's happening. You just get all angry. You get all angry. Why? Because you're not hearing God. Because there's sin in life. Second thing sin does is it stops you from, you lose your, you lose your hearing, then you lose your tears. You lose your ears. Then you lose your tears. You're not sensitive anymore. So you're not sensitive about that thing that's, that God put in your heart. You're not broken anymore. You're stone-faced. There's no emotion. There's no passion. There's no zeal in your life. You're beginning to lose your ears, and now you begin to lose your tears. And the third thing is you begin to lose your fear. No reverence, no awe. God's not special. He's not the, he's not the one. So now you've lost your ears. You've lost your tears. And now you've lost your fear, the fear of the Lord. There's no reverence. There's no awe. And that is the quick boat on the way to the fire in your life. Don't let that be you. So today we're going to practice abiding in him. I don't know why God has me do this stuff. Corey, you can come on up here if you want to. And Lori. But I do know it's what I do. And I do know it's what you do. Many, I mean, I'm not saying you don't do this. And, I, and I'm just, man, I have to do these kind of things. All the, I have to abide in the vine just like you had to abide in the vine. So there, there, was, there was a day in my life, you know, and, and it hasn't changed. It's just a different day. But there was a day in my life I drove to school every day, every day, 20 minutes, when I lived over there on Old Romney Road, in my truck with my tape player, my cassette, and me and Clint Brown sang Zion, the highest place, tears in my eyes, and I cried out to God and told him who he was. And I cried out to God and told him how good he was. I wasn't saying, oh, God, get me through another day at this building. I went through a process in my life where I had to say, okay, God, it's not about me going to this building. It's about who you are. And I know you've got things for me, and I know you've got fruit to grow on my tree. So right now, I'm just going to abide in. That was my 20 minutes of time, man, where you drive to Benton County and you do nothing but pour it out to God. God, not just what I need. God, this is what we need. Not, not God, this is, this is what i got to see. Not God, i got all these problems and situations. Not, not God, oh, today, what are you going to do for me? God, this is who you are. And I love you. 
And I just want to be a part of, see, I'm just going to abide in you right now. I'm not going to talk about what I need. I'm not going to talk about what I face. I'm not going to talk about the pain that it is in my life in the natural to have to go to this building when I know you've called me to something else. I'm just going to forget it. I'm just going to praise you. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I'm going to show you. You don't have to sing it. You can just say it. Who is God? Who is God to you? Have you lost your zeal? Have you lost your passion? Is there fruit on your tree? This is the end of the passion deal, man. We're going to move on. And I don't want, I don't want anybody to be left behind. You may not know what your cause, what your passion, what that thing is on the inside of you, but you got to know who God is in you. You have to tell him who you are. See, because there's a story in Luke chapter 6. Sorry, Luke chapter 13. It's verse 6. And it says, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Kind of echoes the story about Jesus a little bit. But hold on. Don't get your dauber down. Don't get your dauber down because you don't see fruit. All you got to do is get hooked back up. This says, Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree. Three years, and I found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? I'm not telling you this is your last shot. I'm not telling you this is your last day. But I'm telling you, God's about to do something and you don't want to get passed by. You don't want to get passed by in what he has. This isn't a good idea. This is a God idea. This isn't about who you are. This is about who he is. This isn't about what you face. This is about who you face. And he says, after that, the man answered and he said to him, Sir, 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 let it alone this year also until I dig around it and I fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if it doesn't, then you can cut it down. He says, I want to give this tree another shot. See, I want to give this tree. That's what Jesus is all about. Giving you, giving me another shot. See, do you know that he's, he's not against you? Don't, don't keep count against God. Don't count all the good things he did so that you can hold against him all the bad things he hasn't done. Don't, don't be counting. Don't be going back. Don't be saying, okay, God, over here you did some great things, but how come you haven't done that? See, he says keep track of what he did so you can go, you're awesome, God. He doesn't say keep track of what I do so you can hold it against me for what I didn't do. He said, you can keep track because I'm good, God, and I'm faithful. And if that encourages you, then keep track. But if that discourages you and that pulls you away, then you got to stop. You got to stop. Stand up here for just a minute. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.